Draw Loser Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me on today's episode are David Forrest. David, how are you? That, that's pretty much about it, to be honest. Yep. Yep. Uh, Rhys Aldean's here. Rhys, how are you? Um, I'm alright, mate. If you asked me two days ago, I'd have been buzzing. If you asked me this time yesterday, we're sitting 1-0 down against Forfar, then... Is a bit different. We've gone Reese crazy on the podcast this week. Reese Jenkins has also joined us. Reese, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad yourself. I'm good, thank you. So we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, we two gate. We've had two games since our last record, and we've got two more games coming up in the next week or so. We'll start chronologically, and um, we'll start with Saturday's 4-2 win at Airdrie. Reese, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts on on that game? Well. <laughs> coming a common theme but we were slow out the traps at the weekend um, obviously they took the lead poor defending from the long throw and it's it's just bobbling about in the box and it looked as if we could have been 2-3 down early early doors within the first 10 minutes but we kind of didn't even get into the game but we kind of settled down a bit and obviously it's been spoken about a lot Kieran Wright's wonder save actually sparked us to life up the other end within 10 seconds and Tiffany had put us level and Tiffany's just he was different class that day like I know you saw glimpses of it against Cowden Beef, just what he could bring to the team with his spark, but it was brilliant against Airdrie. Like every move was coming through him. Um, just before half time, we could have had two or three goals, and you're going into this. This will be one of these ones where it comes back and bites you in the arse. But thankfully, we came out, started the second half the way we should have started the first, came out firing. Two early goals, Richard Foster rolling back the years with that run down the left hand side, and the ball into the box. And then obviously, Conor Murray's turned into a bit of form since I. Since I put that tee up about him, so it's always good to see. At the end of the day, it could have been more. Was really happy with it. Would love to have seen Zach Rudding get on the score sheet with the with the ten chances he had, but kind of be too picky when you win four two. So it was happy days. David, we watched the game together, and I think for for most of the second half, we were just in a sort of state of hysterical laughter. Partly at the the early commentators, and partly just delirious that we'd managed to score several goals away from home. What what did you take away from the game on Saturday? You kind of both uh, summed it up there, like the first half an hour we were really, really bad and then we kind of got into the game and Kieran Wright's save was really the catalyst that turned around. I thought we played really, really well in the second half. Tiffany looked amazing and yeah, it was just, it was a fantastic performance in the second half and the fact that we were able to just go out and kill a game within about three minutes of the second half starting was fantastic where it was just a case of you were kind of hesitant at half time to kind of see whether or not we would win it and then after about five minutes we were all it was pretty much in the clear again it just kind of shows like every single game there seems to be a theme of us doing absolutely nothing to start the game we we feel our way into games for way too long we're always in the back foot from the start and the fact that we've had two games where we conceded in 90 seconds tells us 
that we, we are on the back foot at the start of games and this is what's costing us. Luckily, we got bailed out. But, I mean, as we said, Airdrie could have been 2-0 up within 10 minutes and the game could have been done. We were really, really lucky not to be down by more than one before we equalised. And, yeah, I think we escaped uh, the first half not being down and, you know, we kind of were buoyed by that and went into the second half and looked really, really good. We were fantastic in the second half, but I'm not going to pretend that we were, you know, whistle to whistle, amazing the whole game because we really weren't for the first half. And I think that's that's the key for me about our issues is that we just have no urgency whatsoever in the first half to kill a game. And that's what's costing us. Uh, Reese, what were your thoughts on, on the Airdrie game on Saturday? Uh, so, to be honest, it was, it, was obviously, it was obviously a really good result. And um, I thought we, we created more chances than we have than we, than we normally do to be honest and I, I'm trying to work out in my head kind of if that's that uh, we were really good or if they were they were pretty bad and, um, but there were a lot of promising signs I thought um, some some big performances there uh, Reese Haldane I'll come back to you I think yourself and David spoke about the slow starts becoming a theme can you pinpoint why this is or do you just think it's a freak that it's happened in back to back games Um I can't really pinpoint any any one specific reason, but don't know if it's a mentality problem. But I always think like as soon as we go one 0 down, the heads drop. Like I know it's kind of changed a wee bit recently, obviously with the Erdre game. But even like last night we went one 0 down early doors, and you're thinking we're not getting back into this game. It's just, it's a mentality thing. That's that's the fans have it as well. Like us as fans, we always think oh that's us fucked. That's us four for going to win now. And the players obviously have that as well. I don't know what it is and. It's it's obviously really hard to change, but we just kind of get going at the beginning of the games. I for me it's like it it's it seems to be that obviously we've we've had a very, uh, big stress on fitness and you no know, resting players and things like that, and I think we're, it's kind of a combination of chopping and changing players who maybe have not been who who maybe a wee bit rusty, for example like Snedden yesterday, or McCall not wanting us to absolutely burst the arse out of it in the first half and be, exhaust ourselves, if you know what I mean. Which, I can understand that. You obviously want to have a bit of energy going into the second half and stuff like that. But it's literally at the cost of doing anything in the first half. We we just, we just seem to go in and don't expect teams to absolutely go for us. And then when they do go for us, we're already like you know, one step behind and then they get an early goal. I'm not I'm not saying that this is because of the two early goals that this has happened because I think it's been a pretty consistent thing outside maybe the Cowed and Beef game. But like the Cove Rangers game we did it as well. Um where we done nothing for the first half. And then obviously the Airtree game it took us thirty five minutes to get into it. And then the Forfer game, we were absolutely all over the place at the start as well. I think that the two early goals have compounded it, but I think it's a mixture of... I think McCall very much... It feels like his tactics tend to be, I'll react to the the situation. So I'll make tactical changes to react to whatever the situation is at that point. The problem is, is he's chucking at a formation that isn't really adaptive to that situation beforehand. He's very much after the fact, I feel, with, with these sort of things. Because I mean, we've seen like a triple substitution and stuff like that yesterday, whereby... It's a case of he was going, right, oh, this is a problem. I didn't find a problem. And then making sub to try and fix that, as opposed to not having the problem in the first place. And then kind of, he's working working backwards, I think, in that sort of sense with that. Uh, Rich Jenkins, I was going to ask you, you're the sort of the tactical man on the podcast. 
we've scored we scored three goals in pretty quick succession it's the second time we've sort of scored a couple of goals in quick succession we did it at home against Airdrie where uh, we scored two in about six or seven minutes I think in the home game is there anything sort of from a tactical point of view that you could put that down to I think we are quite a streaky team you see it we maybe have a really good half hour in a game and then fall out of it completely like you saw last night and you also saw on Saturday um, can you sort of put that down to anything to be honest, my answer here is probably going to be quite a like one that is not very like myself. I do think that it's quite it's quite like confidence based. I think that you can really see it like we get we get a goal and suddenly the passes flow and it's um I think maybe it's that's partly down to a lack of tactics rather than like a, a tactic if that makes sense. I think that maybe we are relying quite a lot on the kind of qu- the quality of our players being better than the league we're in. Therefore. When it's not not going well, then maybe they're kind of looking about, not really sure what to do. But then, I mean, it's like anything; they get a bit of confidence about them, and they suddenly, they suddenly, everything's working. I think, like if they maybe if they had a bit more instruction, like they would actually kind of know what to do in the kind of situations where they're like facing a bit of adversity. So I'm not not too sure, but I think there's not too much tactical in that. More like like I said, like something maybe they're, they're they kind of need clear instructions when things aren't going the way they they're hoping to. David. I didn't have Ian McCall down as a as a David Bowie man, but it appears as though he absolutely loves changes. Uh, what did you make of the, the team selection last night for the 4 4 game? First of all, e- excellent segue there. That's fantastic. Um, I I was a bit perplexed, to be honest, that I, I kind of got what he was going for and that he was wanting to rest players, and realistically, this would should have been our easiest game and obviously there's no easy games that old trope but they're bo- you know a bottom of the league team if you're going to be making changes out of a game you would expect it to be against a team like that but similarly as well after we'd done so well and against Airdrie and we'd looked so good to then kind of rip that up it's a bit ill-advised in my case I think it's a very unfortunate timing to have that game against Forfar to be honest I think if it had been a- against a team that maybe you know, was a bit higher up, maybe Sam and Trose or something like that, we maybe would have seen the, the lineup stay a bit more solid because they were doing a bit more of an important game and he was a look to players that had worked really well on Saturday to lead the charge again. I, I don't I don't think he should have made the changes, to be honest. Um I don't think that um it was uh, Bell came in for Brownlee, didn't he? Yeah. I, I don't I don't think Bell uh, worked uh, very well. I think he obviously he was he was quite cold coming in. He'd, uh, he hadn't had that much game time, and I think putting in a, a bunch of players that were maybe on the bench or whatever, and kind of shaking up the team when we didn't really need to shake it up after the performance against Airtree was a bit misguided. But then again, it's that a case of well, if you don't play them here, where are you playing them? I I, I wasn't in favour of it myself, but I can, I can kind of understand it, even if it didn't really work out well. Yeah, I think I've been talking to my dad a lot about this, about the changes, and I think that my take on it is I can completely understand why he feels the need to rotate with the way the games are coming thick and fast. And I was kind of I was thinking along the lines of right, if you're going to make these changes, I'm absolutely okay with having uh, McIver and Rudden up front and switching it up there and dropping Tiffany and stuff like that. The problem comes for me when you're changing like the heart of your defence. You've got your keeper. If you're changing your keeper and your top centre half, then suddenly that's just 
that just causes disarray and there's no there are no kind of established relationships there. And I think if you're gonna rotate you wanna keep a spine to the team. Like you had Ross Doherty coming back and he's not played football in a long time and it's just a very disrupted team. I think you can cope with that a bit better in the attacking positions where you might not have the fluidity you'd normally have, but in defence I think it can really cause problems and you can end up conceding just lackluster goals like the one we did at the start of the game. Reese. Yeah, pretty much what both the boys have said, mate. Like they've summed up perfectly. Like you can't go about changing the full core of your team. Like the whole spine was just changed, mate. Like, like even the keeper one, I know like you want to give Snedden game time and that, but it's just weird, mate. Like Wright was playing brilliant and then he made that save at the weekend and you drop him. And as as we said, like I agree with like changing the strikers about because I I've been I've been saying I want to see Rudden and McIver play together, but they just didn't take their chance last night and and Graham did. Graham came off the bench and scored, so Graham's your main man now and he's he's established that. As for the likes of Stephen Bell, like I remember when he was at air, he was a solid centre half and that but back to what David said, if you're not going to play them last night, when are you going to play them? So what's the point in bringing them in? As for Squiddy, mate, I know he came off the bench, but that signing just doesn't even look good now, you know what I mean? Like it just looks like he's came in so unfit and just not ready to play and it's, it's ended worse than the way it ended under Caldwell for him. I think for me, the changes... I, I tweeted before the game, you should never do this, I tweeted that I trusted the team. And when you look at the team on paper, I still think it's a good enough team to beat four for a home. And I think maybe the players are getting a wee bit of a free pass because so much of the criticism has been aimed at McCall. And McCall's definitely not blameless. I look at the players that come in Snedden, Behel and Dockery I don't think they should have all been chucked in together because they haven't played but because they haven't played in so long you can almost excuse their performances but guys like Rudden and McKeever and even a couple of the starters last night Cardo, Williamson uh, I don't even think Bannock in his best game last night they have been playing week in week out and their performances weren't up to scratch and I think as much as McCall's getting a lot of stick, it is, it is on the players as well. They, they didn't perform. And the... But just before we move on to that, so there's actually no need at all to play Bannigan and Doherty together at home to for. Like These are the games where you need to just go for teams. And we've been saying it all season, we're in League One. Like Approach every game the same way we approach Cowden Beef. Approach every game the same way we approach the second half against Erdry. Just play football. Go for teams. Try to outscore them. No point playing two holding midfielders at home. I think if you look at the players that came into the team last night, I think Snedden, Bell and Doherty, you can almost excuse it for them because they've not played much football and they're coming in sort of trying to get fitness. But I think that's something you can blame McCall for, playing all of them together, trying to give them fitness together. If you're going to blame players, I think you've got to blame some of the players that have played a bit more football. Rudden and McKeever came in last night and offered absolutely nothing. I don't think Joe Cardo was great last night and I think Bannigan suffered for Doherty coming back into the team. We didn't see the best of Bannigan last night. But I agree with uh, Reese Jenkins on his point about partnerships. I think we spoke about that a lot earlier on in the season when it was Brownlee and McKenna playing at centre-back and then it turned into Brownlee and Senna later on. And the, the partnerships are key and when you start messing with that, there's no real continuity or fluidity in the team and you really saw that last night, it was a lacklustre performance, there was no reason for it to be, we were at home, we should have been full of confidence off the back of Saturday and even though I, I did tweet before the game which you should never do, 
I trusted the team and I still think the team that we started with should have been good enough to beat Forfa. And I think the players have got a wee bit of a free pass because of the stick going McCall's way. But I think the players and McCall are to blame for last night. It, it wasn't good enough for any of them. We'll run through a few positions now to sort of go in depth. Reese Hildane, I'll come to you. Do you want to talk about the goalkeeping position? Jamie Sneddon came in last night. He did make a really good save in the second half, but he looked a wee bit shaky in the first half. At fault for the first goal, probably, possibly not the most convincing for the second. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think Sneddon took his chance last night. Like I'm all for Sneddon. I've been a, been a huge fan of Sneddon for years. Like I do think he is a good keeper with good potential. Like because he does pull off like some ridiculous stops now and again, but he is prone to a mistake or two. And I remember way back at the start of the season, I'd seen Keane Wright play before and I'd never been convinced with him. But this season, I think he's been absolutely solid for us, mate. I don't think he's he's put a foot wrong at all. The only goal I could fault him for is Hearts and the friendly just after the restart. Like So that doesn't matter at all, to be fair. I think Wright's just got to play now to the end of the season. I feel sorry for Snedden because he'd done himself no favours last night because we all know he's, he is prone to a good stop. So I don't even think the stop made up for the, the error. And then even like the <laughs> the dodgy like headed clearance, like, he done well to come get it, but then he stayed out his goal. I know he made up for it at the end, but you're like heart and mouth for that whole time he was out his net and obviously took us all one to the face but I right back in at the weekend I think you saw even with like David Marshall playing for Scotland I think it's so hard if you've got no match practice that if you're coming in after months of not, not playing it is likely you're going to make a mistake you saw it with Marshall the weekend you saw it with Snedden last night he's done well with limited opportunities but he didn't do well last night and I can only really see it going one way from now till the end of the season and like you said Reese, I do feel sorry for him but I don't really think McCall's got a choice now but to play with Wright until the end of the season Reese Jenkins I'll come to you on Senna we spoke to, about Senna that maybe he'd struggled a wee bit since the restart he was subbed off at half time last night he didn't have the greatest game at Airdrie at the weekend what have you made of Senna since the restart? I think it's been a bit tough for him but I kind of with a, guy, with a young guy like him I think I tend to try and be as kind of lenient as possible. Um, I think he's just looked a bit shaky. It's probably come the whole like suspension of football probably came at the like the worst possible time for him in terms of like this was his first proper run in the Thistle team. It just got completely brought to a halt, and um, it probably like in terms of momentum, like he's probably probably feeling like he's having to build all that confidence back up again, and um, it's not helped with the kind of the slightly the sort of dodgy start he's made. I think. Um, there's been a few times where I've noticed recently that is in the air. He's quite, he's been quite weak, and uh, he goes up. He quite often he's going up for, going up for uh, like aerial drills with the sort of the opposite number, like the forward, and he's, it's like not many, many of them, and it's kind of the, it's the exact opposite with Brownlee. Like Brownlee, just you just know that Brownlee wins absolutely everything in the air, and I think um it it's probably not doing his confidence much good that he's not been he's not been doing very well in that sense because I think that's one of your kind of kind of bread and butter for your centre half, especially at this level when there's so many like lofted balls. That's something he's really got to work on, and um, I think the rest will come kind of with match practice. I think we'll we'll just stick with him though. I don't I don't see the benefit in us really dropping him because I think that, that would shatter his confidence if you if you just dropped him out of the team at this point. David, I'll come to you on the two strikers that came in last night. Obviously, Brian Graham got a goal at the weekend, but he was left out last night at the expense of Zach Rudden and Ross McKeever who came in up front. What did you make of their performances? Um, I mean. <sighs> It's it's one of those things where like with they didn't really do that much yesterday. I mean they had several several chances that just they didn't put away and 
it's one it's one of those things where like if a team is flying like you can like against Airdrie for example you can kind of forgive a player missing a few chances if you win 4-2 do you know what I mean like you you, you didn't really necessarily need it I think we we all expected after Rudding got his goal against Kona Beef because that was always the thing you know when he gets his first goal the goals will start flowing and we've not quite seen that yet and I was I do kind of get a bit worried that it's just a case of we're not going to see that um, and we're not going to get that sort of rudding that we we were expecting. We, you know, Can I come again, in there, David? Because I, I, I don't think... I know Reese spoke about confidence earlier. I really don't think Rudden not starting on Saturday against Airdrie after scoring his first goal helped him at all because he's got all that confidence after the first goal and then immediately he's dropped back to the bench. I, I would agree, yeah. I think we all kind of pointed that out in the group chat on, on Saturday when he was dropped. Like, yeah, you, you have to kind of sit there and think if you're running or you're right, you know, making that say last week uh, against Airdrie or any of the other players that were dropped, you have to sit there and then when you announce the team sheet, you have to think, what do I actually need to do to get in, to get into the team? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I played in a team that done well and we were surrounded and we worked really well together. And then immediately it's just broken up and I've been taken out. It's the fact I scored a goal or made a big save and stuff like that. It's a bit of a head scratcher if you're one of those players that played really well to then just get dropped. And I, I agree, it would have been a dent in, the, uh, in his confidence to have that happen, no, definitely. I don't want to go down the whole Ian McCall, should he stay or should he go route. I think we're going to do a proper feature episode on that at the end of the season. I'm I think we all agree, we've all probably got different opinions, but I think we all agree it's pretty unlikely that anything will happen before the end of the season. So I know we've spoken about the changes last night, and I just want to ask, do you think he's putting too much focus and he's thinking too much about fitness and squad rotation? Because we saw last night with Chris Erskine's injury that injuries can happen to anyone. It doesn't really matter how many minutes you play. Obviously, that's a factor, but they can still happen to anyone. And he's not taking things into account like form or position confidence he's he's just putting well he obviously has taken that into account but not as much as he's taking fitness into account do you think that's a fair summation or do you, do you have any other takes that Reese will come to you first on that um i think i i tend to probably side with well the side that mccall seems to take at the moment like i think the amount of minutes in players legs like this like in this kind of condensed season is going to be like, i think you'll only really see the benefit of rotation like later on and like as a like the weeks kind of roll by and we've been playing twice a week. Like I think if we did, as much as I want to see the same the same team that can like the same team that gets a good result play the next game and the next game and keep getting results, I think you you would start to see a cumulative effect where like they just the, their performances drop off because like they're either just fatiguing or they're they're get they're picking up injuries and then you lose them. You can't then you can't choose when you can't play them if you if you like think of it like that. I think there's maybe got to be a bit more like method to it and maybe a bit more. Like you said, I don't think that I don't think Rudden had to had to be like had to drop out uh, after after scoring his first goal. And like, I mean, we don't know what the conversations are behind the scenes. Like he might he might be he might be told, look, you're playing the two midweek games and you're sitting out the weekend. And then I guess we're not really anyone to judge that. But it's a really tough one, to be honest. I think you see it with more and more at the top level of football. Like it's just become a sort of it's just a thing in football now where players quite often just have to be rotated just with the sort of playing twice a week like it's hard to play every game and very few can without getting injuries yeah I'd, I'd maybe like to have a bit more consistency in the core of the team but like kind of keep it rotated around the kind of the fringes 
That's what moves us on nicely to the Dundee United game on Saturday. What changes would you like to see for that? Do you think that should be treated as a priority, or would you like to see some of the French players come in for that? I'd probably, I'd probably be treating the cup with kind of second. I mean, we're not in a position to like cheat cups, like or like we don't mind, care about them. But I think, to be honest, the league, the league has got to be the focus. So I, I would probably be rotating the team quite a lot and like getting ready for the next league fixture because. I think we're just in a position now where we need we need we can't be dropping any more points in the league. We need we need a playoff spot, and I mean we need second really. But it's looking it's just looking worse and worse as the season goes on. So I would I would be rotating and kind of planning for your strongest team in the league. David, I'll just come to you on those two questions. What are your thoughts on McCall's selection policy and the United Cup game on Saturday? I mean, it's a bit of a he's kind of he's kind of been dealt the hand already because he rotated lots of players for the Forfar game so he brought in a lot of fringe players for that so it's a case of if you're going to rotate that squad out you're going to be going back to the first team if you know what I mean like at that point we're kind of in that route where the midweek games seem to be the rotated squad and the weekend seems to be you know the, the sort of the first team I, I, I do think we will see changes um, however I, I, I really can't predict what he will do to be honest at this point because it seems to be if we get a good flow of a team, it just immediately gets chucked and then another one brought in and then when they kind of work their way in, they get a good flow. That gets chucked as well. I, I am an old romantic for the Cup and obviously it's 2021. Obviously we all want to win the Scottish Cup. Don't think it will actually happen though, but I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where it's a free hit, isn't it? Where you know nobody expects us to win, really. I, I don't think. There's, there's too many people who would be putting money on um, us to win against Dundee United in the Scottish Cup but I, I don't think we should be treating it as sort of just a game for squad rotation or anything like that. It is tough I do, I do I, I'm not a big fan of when teams sort of treat the, the Cup with lower precedence but it is one of those things where like yeah um, we're, we're not doing the best in the league and the stuff, stuff like that at the moment so it's, it's a bit of a tough decision to make um, I, I wouldn't be aggrieved if we played the first team against Dundee United, to be honest. But, you know, it, <laughs> I, it doesn't really matter, does it? Again, like we, we kind of need to secure the playoff position, which, to be honest, I think we will hobble ourselves into a playoff position. I don't see ourselves dropping out of the, the playoff positions or whatever. Obviously, anything can happen or whatever, but I think we'll have enough to kind of get over the line or whatever. But I don't want to go another game of us just sitting doing nothing and kind of try to, you know, try to get them in the break or whatever and not really offering anything. I, I know it's against a Premier League team, but at least show that you've, you've got something about you. At least, you know, try and take an opportunity, which I feel that they need to do. So I know it's a cup game, but I, I would I would kind of be trying to go for it, to be honest, just purely to build a wee bit of confidence after what will probably be one of our worst results. You know, try and shake something up and get something out of it. I'm going to come back to that worst results thing, David, because I know we had a chat about that last night. The next question has come in from Tom Hogg. He's asked, "Would as unlikely as this is, would winning the Scottish Cup turn this season into a good season? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be steaming, to be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to answer. Like, I, I would gladly take relegation to League 2 if we won the Scottish Cup. I don't care. Absolutely no bother. If we win, if we win the Scottish Cup, then Ian McCall build a statue of McCall outside of our hill. Absolutely. 
with you on that. Reese. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not much I wouldn't do to win the Scottish Cup, to be honest. <laughs> I think, like, I think you, you, I mean, you'd probably, I mean, would everyone not take relegation to win the Scottish Cup? Like, I mean, Absolutely. I mean, we're already in League One. We may as well go to League Two if we're going to get some something good out of it. <laughs> like, yep. I think. And the and the grand journey from League Two to the Premiership when we work our way back up will just be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hundred. I'm definitely taking relegation for the for the Scottish Cup. I don't even know if that was the question, but I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> I think it was just would it turn it into a good season? So I think we're all agreed that it would. Um, I had a look at the odds on the Dundee United game today. This is Wednesday. We are recording. We were eleven to one to win at Tannadice. <sighs> anyway. We play quite well at Tannadice historically. You, over the you last can couple stick of your t- you can stick your ten pence on that then. <laughs> I, I want to come back on where uh, the, the draw with Forfar ranks in terms of low points. I think when we were two one down, I was ready to say it was the low point of the last four or five years maybe and I think now that we've drawn maybe the only worst results I can think of the Morton 5-1 the Dunfermline 5-1 and possibly the Livingston playoff I can't really think of many lower lows than last night what what are your thoughts on how how bad it was I mean looking back the Livy playoff seems like halcyon days uh, compared to two weeks ago, if you had said to me when I was sitting despondent in the north stands and somebody came and goes, cheer up, David, why? Because in three years you'll be drawn two each with four for in League One. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, that, that's the I'd take being beaten in the playoff by Livy again over this. Like, it, there's a different. See, I think the thing is, is that scuddings happen, like getting beat 5 0 by a team or 5 1 or whatever happens, right? to every team like I mean even the Invincibles are Celtic get beat what 4-1 or something like that uh, to, to break the shoot whatever like teams can take tankings at times that's not necessarily indicative as much of a team in decline because freak results happen I, I would say this is worse than the two fives and the, the playoff just purely because you'll take a scudding at some point anyway so it's it's kind of irrelevant it's a, it's a blip this was just abject yeah, I would say in terms of actual emotion, emotionally, the the playoff was like that's one of the worst I've felt at Farhill. Just in terms of like growing up, like most of the years, like as a kind of like teenager and stuff, we we're all in the Premiership, and then that so that was a pretty bad come down. But see, I'm at the point now where I'm almost, I'm I'm almost uh, like a bit apathetic. I'm sort of I'm sort of laughing like I'm like no way can we can we lose to Forfar here? Like it's. I'm at, I'm almost at that point. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm sort of I'm almost seeing the funny side of it. I'm I'm big, I'm starting to like just just laugh at how bad we've got. Like when you think where we were just like three or four like three years ago or something like that. It's really it's really quite impressive how we've fallen. I can totally relate to that. There were at least three moments last night. I think all in the second half where I just burst out laughing watching. I think one of them was Darren Brownley tracking somebody back and he he got lapped. On his way back to goal, and I think he had another slip, and it was laughable last night. I think David made a good point as well. I think just because this has been so typical of what we've seen, and we show no signs of of turning it around, really, I think it is more depressing than a freak five-one. But I definitely in the in the top five for me, and where it comes in the top fives, debatable. That um that Brownlee moment where he stood on the ball and he like just 
Oh, that was that was that was hilarious. He just he just I don't even I don't know how he did it, but he basically he just wasn't like looking. He stood in the ball and just kind of fell over, didn't he? <laughs> so so bad. <laughs> there was so many bizarre moments last night, and it, it was just like you just burst out laughing. <laughs> the, we were you in have... hysterics listening to the like in the chat. We were in hysterics at points, just laughing away at just how comically bad we are. And I think that's the key for me with it is that. You, you, you kind of pointed it like on form. If somebody said to you we are unbeaten in four games since the restart, you'd be like, it's not too bad. And you're like, oh, I would drew two weeks for Forfa and Cove, and the teams that we beat were like County Beef and a, like an Airdrie team that are probably in a bit of a free fall. It doesn't sound as good, but like four undefeated, undefeated in four, it <laughs> doesn't sound too bad. And then you kind of peer underneath it, and you're like, oh no, this is quite bad. The fact it was bottom of the table as well and that Erskine get injured and will probably be his last ever game for Fissel in a 10-minute cameo where he pulled his hamstring kind of tipped it over the edge for me of just being real. I, I, like to say, I like to say it's a low. I hope it is the low. I hope this is the plateau where we just never... This is the bit of the worst it gets. I cannot say that it is the plateau or the worst that it gets because as we've known over the last three years... There's always room, for, there's always scope for another horrific trauma. Yeah, yes, yeah, very bad. I think Rhys Haldane mentioned earlier, just in case you haven't noticed, we've, we've paid tribute to our 2 to draw home at Forfa. Uh, Rhys Haldane was subbed off at halftime. We're going to finish the podcast a man down. But um, he was men- mentioned earlier about Chris Erskine getting a, a worse goodbye this time than he did under Gary Caldwell. And it looks like it might be the case, man. A 2-2 draw at home behind closed doors to bottom of the league forfer. You're the fifth sub on and you have to get subbed off because you pull a hammy. You would take a training ground bust up over that, wouldn't you? It's 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 sad, really. Like I know we're laughing, but it is sad. And in the limited game time we have seen Squiddy's not really looked up to it. And I know he'd, the understanding was he'd come in as a sort of impact sub, there was no great expectation to be starting week in, week out. And I think it is quite sad how it looks as though his Thistle career might possibly have come to an end. The more I'm thinking about it, um, like that when he came off injured and he was, like at the time, he was sort of like standing around at the side, almost like he wanted to come back on or he was wait, almost waiting to see if he could come back on. And I was sort of laughing like, mate, you've, you've done your hammy, you're not, like you've got no chance. But then now I'm thinking about it, he's probably... He's probably like thinking like this could be his last his last shot at it, and like that really is quite that puts a like sad tint on it. I think uh, not to get too morose about this, but I think it always it takes me back to the the Levy playoff where where Eskin did the exact same thing where I think he'd played injured for like several weeks, and he came off and uh, they subbed him off, and you could see him practically greeting with the pain because he was in so much pain, but he just wanted to to help the club and all that. And it kind of it kind of made me think of that a little bit, that a man who, he, he will work hard, so to speak, because he loves the club that much. And yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a shame. We're going to return to our Partridge Thistle section now. Um, thank you to everyone who got in touch last week to let us know your Buzz Lightyear theories. And I'm glad that we debunked and unravelled the, the mystery as to why Buzz Lightyear does just lie dead when he's an adult walks into the room as if he's a toy, even though he, he thinks he's not a toy. So draw, lose or draw here to 
expose the Toy Story movies for what they are. This week, I'm going to come out. I've, I've only got two left. Reese Haldane's left. Uh, Reese Jenkins and David Forrest are still here. Lads, I'm going to ask you this week for Partridge Thistle. How often do you replace your toothbrush? Wow. Now, I'm thinking I'm an electric toothbrush man myself, so are we talking how often do we replace the head? It's a serious question, the kind of thing I've got to ask. I think if we're talking electric toothbrushes, yeah. Okay, that changes things. Uh, that's a tough this one. This might be the worst podcast content I've ever heard in my life. Are we talking <laughs> changing the heads or the actual two? Jesus, man. Like, um, I think it could be an episode in itself. A 45 minute expose. We just get like, get uh, phoning up like uh, Alan Archibald, asking him when, how often he changes his toothbrush and stuff like that, and get all the. Um, Sounds rabbit to me, to be honest. <laughs> I'd listen to it. I, I, I would say with my, with my toothbrush, I generally replace it when I go on holiday, which sounds strange, but usually I buy a toothbrush for going on holiday as opposed to like taking taking my old one. Like I usually just buy a whole bunch of like toiletries or whatever. And so usually when I go on holiday, either that or if my if my wife replaces her toothbrush, she'll usually buy me one at the same time as well. So I'd probably say what every six months. You know, lucky at the moment then with COVID because you won't get a new toothbrush about <laughs> well, a year. No, she got a new toothbrush uh, over lockdown, so that was fine. That, that kind of ticked oh. my box for six months. That was all right. Fantastic. I think I'm probably a, I'm probably a six-month man myself, to be honest. I, if, if not, it's not really something I keep track of, Matt, to be honest. But um, if I had to That's give right. it a guess, it would probably be six months. Not fair. I'm, I, I, have I hope next time the... you change, you notice. I, I, I have looked at getting one of those is it the bamboo toothbrushes or whatever the ones that are not made of plastic that are like more environmentally conscious and apparently they, they will go for a wee bit longer just to kind of make me more environmentally aware of the damage I'm doing by making plastic by using plastic toothbrushes but I've not I've not taken the great leap yet I'm still playing it safe I'm on the, the whole bamboo toothbrush thing well thanks for that guys if you've got any thoughts on uh, how often do you replace your toothbrush or how often you should replace your toothbrush, you can find us on Twitter at Drawlers or Draw. We'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, Ian I Hepburn, have a question, actually. On you no, go, so I was going to ask a question about that. Who do you think in the Fissel squad replaces their toothbrush the most and the least? Joe Cardle the most. I think Joe Cardle was through one a day. <laughs> uh, the least. No, you can't go that. That's, you're basically calling somebody a skank. It's about a personal insult, this, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going for that, but Joe Cardo definitely a toothbrush a day. <laughs> I can go with that. Joe Cardo's got the, the super new Sonic toothbrush as well. You can just I... tell. Squeaky clean teeth. <laughs> Moving away from teeth, although it's maybe slightly, you could bring teeth back into it maybe. Ian Hepburn has got in touch with a better question than, than mine. Um, would you rather fight a hundred chipmunk-sized Alan Archibald, or one Alan Archibald-sized chipmunk? <laughs> oh, I love these questions. Um, I I think with that one, like, I, I this is a, a slightly related anecdote, but I played in the Firhill Cup last year, uh, the year before lockdown, and um, the last game before the final, they said everybody who's here can go on. So it was like 30 aside with like 12 wins. 
it was absolute chaos. You couldn't keep track of anybody whatsoever. So I think the idea of having 100 chipmunks running about, you wouldn't be able to keep track of them all. So I, w- I would go one Alan Archibald size chipmunk based on, you can contain it a bit more. Lisa, I'm a big fan of your uh, sort of graphs and, and data on Twitter. What, do, what does the data tell us about about this one? What what's what gives you the best chance of a win? To be honest, I think you're not not get much of a chance. I, I'm 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 leaning the other way. I'm thinking I think I'm, I've got a better chance with with the, all the wee ones because I don't know. You could just maybe avoid them a bit, a bit better. I don't know. That's really tough one. I think when they're so big, you would just be you just be done. Like, I mean, I don't think I'd stand a chance against uh, an Alan Archibald sized chipmunk. Do you remember Chef Kikuchi, the, the Finnish striker that played for Blackburn, and he did that sort of belly flop celebration? I think if he did that with a bit of velocity and all your lockdown weight, you'd have a fair chance of wiping out a lot Alan Archibalds. The one Alan Archibald-sized chipmunk I'm going to Reese, I think that's going to pose you more issues. Its teeth are going to be massive there. That, that, that could kill you. I am gonna. I'd rather fight the hundred chipmunks and just take my chances by sort of landing on them. Have you ever seen that video of the three guys playing a hundred school kids at football? Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of feels a bit like that. But then again, you get to the point where there's so many of them that they're disorganised, and you can kind of break them up. So I, I can maybe see that, but no, I would, I would fancy my chances against one Alan Archibald-sized chipmunk more than with a hundred chipmunk-sized Alan Archibalds. I think I'm going to Twitter poll this when we put the episode out. Uh, so if you've got any strong thoughts on that, again, please get in touch. And if you have got any better questions than how often do you replace your toothbrush for our partridge thistle section, then also reach out. As always, thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back on Tuesday with a special episode where we are going to take a deep dive into the stereotypes that surround the Thistle fan base. Until then, stay safe and wear a mask. <laughs>